This is Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast with Roscoe, the fanalist, and Southy. Well, I mean, we played well, apart from uh, a couple individuals. I think, uh, I think as a whole, the Leafs played well. Uh, Leafs fall 5-3, unfortunately, to the Tampa Bizet Lightning. Steven Stamkos uh, showed up tonight. Had himself and a night. He's been, uh, yeah, he had himself a night. I mean, they all had themselves a night. A lot of different people scored, but uh, yeah. Leafs didn't play that uh, great defensively, unfortunately. Left Jack hanging. Welcome to Leafs Late Night. I'm Roscoe, joined, as always, by Steph the Fanalist and Andrew Sutherland at Southey. How's it going, guys? Hey, not too bad. Um, recovered from our big uh, event on Tuesday, and I was hoping for a win tonight, of course, against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, division rivals. They were third in the Atlantic. We're second. They were two behind us, but unfortunately, they did catch up tonight with the 38 points on the season. So, but yeah, like you said, some people really pulled through. We all know that Steven Stamkos loves to play in his hometown. And we have a leaf killer. Yeah. Radish, you know, first time playing against the Leafs growing up. I'm sure a Leafs fan since he's from, uh, where was he from again? Caledon. Uh, Caledon, yes. So yeah, big night for them. Uh, Four points for Stamkos, three points for Palat, uh, (sighs) two goals for Radish. But uh, the Leafs did pretty well at the same time on certain aspects, I got to say. But the defensive side, oh my God, just shake my head at that. Yeah, and one thing that they did really well in that uh, I was watching the Bali Sports feed because, again, the game was blacked out. Apparently not for Southey, but for me, even though we live in the same city. I don't understand these blackouts. (laughs) Um, But uh, the Leafs dominated the faceoff circle. They really did. It was like... 75 or 80 percent i think they won like just absolutely demolished the face-off circle yeah they were 67 percent on the dot that's always good news they are two for two on the power play which is amazing i know that's something we couldn't say very often to begin to start the season earlier and leafs actually scored seven power play goals in the last 10 periods Mm -hmm. those are awesome stats yeah uh the power play not only scoring but scoring quickly like the game that we were at on tuesday they scored both of them within i want to say the first 10 or 20 seconds and then tonight again scoring really quickly and i mean that that says something that's that's a really dangerous power play finally very quick very decisive they know what we're going with the puck and yeah like you said they're actually burying them right now too and early yeah Uh, the penalty kill oh sorry go ahead stuff Sorry, I just want to bring up that Tuesday game really quickly. Um, A stat I found online, too. uh, The fastest two goals during that game, you know, those two goals that were seven seconds apart, that was the first time since 1943-1944 season. So Really? Wow. Yeah, that was mind-blowing to me um, for the seven seconds there. But uh, Matthews, too, he has... Two seven-goal streaks of seven games. Tonight, he was looking to make it eight. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But he's still an elite company because there are only three players in history to have more, which the names are Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, and Lalonde. Wow. Lalonde, eh? Yeah. 
Big I also news. heard on uh, Steve Dangle's podcast, shout out for liking my tweet today, um, that Matthews is now number two all time for Leafs who have scored in the ACC slash Scotiabank Arena since 1999. Really? So he's now wow. only be- only behind Sundin. He just passed Kessel. Oh, that's awesome. He's also only four Yo, goals behind so much- Dreisaitl right now too for the for the Rocket. Yes. I mean, yeah, Dry Settle's also got like what ten more assists than he does. Eh, we're talking rock. Fair. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just uh, yeah. Dry Settle's on another level this year, but and we get Matthews to see it. Has really picked it up, yeah, yeah and yeah. it's so fun to see. And I'm so glad he's picking it up because in the beginning of this year, I we were talking about different takes and kind of making bets. Uh, will he make the get the rocket, etc.? And I was like. Mm, if you would have asked me a game ago probably not and then that game i think he scored two goals or whatever and i said maybe but no he's looking great obviously no more bum bum wrist that's mm-hmm. old news so old so oh yeah he got his preseason out of the way unfortunately it was while well, the leafs regular season had already started yeah. but he is ready to go now uh, so yeah. let's get into the first period here uh one of the first things that happened to this game was a pretty scary trip on riley um mm-hmm. i wouldn't say it was dangerous or you know maliciously intended but he slid kind of full bodied into the boards and didn't get up for you know a solid 30 seconds mm-hmm. which worries everybody when you've already got Dermot and Sandine and Marner and with a suspension spets out yeah. <laughs> Riley going down is the <laughs> last thing that we need um but the Leafs go on the power play and there it is the quick one from Kasha who uh picks up a dirty rebound just kind of finds it between JT's feet and snipes it up. Yeah, nice hands, really in close on Vasilevsky. Like, that's really hard to score, and I'm in that close. He covers up so much room, but he pulled it back just between the post and his blocking arm. Really nice goal. Yeah, I saw the review of the goal, and they were saying how how big Vasilevsky's in net, and surprising that he was Massive. on his knees during that play. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, Kashe just picking up the loose change once again, rebounds off Tavares's whiff and roofs it. Yeah. Oh my God, cash money, baby. Thank you. Seventh goal, second in the last three games. This is what we want to see, especially with Marner out. And he's given that opportunity to play on that top power play unit. And it's working, it's clicking. And yeah, I barely noticed Marner on that power play to begin with uh, from his usual spot because Cache was just all over the puck. It was like, okay, oh yeah, Marner Marner is out, but it's good. No kidding. The other thing I noticed with Marner out is on the penalty kill. Uh, Nylander stepping in has actually, I mean, the first couple of games I was like, oh, but uh, Nylander just really figured out his role on that penalty kill. Like he jumped on a lot of opportunities tonight. He didn't bury any, but he had a lot of good chances. No, that's the same uh, type of thing. He's just that... still infamous for missing the net. Same thing that Martin mm-hmm. does on the power uh, penalty kill is that you just jump in. You're very aggressive. Like mm-hmm. you're looking for the chances that most players aren't looking for, and that's why they do get the the chance on the PK. Yeah, funny enough, another uh, another thing I heard today apparently. Um, Somebody on Vancouver asked Boudreaux about, uh, he said, one of the star players asked me to be on the uh, the penalty kill. And I said, sure, but if it doesn't work out, don't ever ask me again. <laughs> yeah, fair. fair. But that was hilarious. <laughs> um, wow, so no, no, but... another uh, awesome thing happened in the first that, oh, I wish he scored on this, but everybody kind of lost where the puck was and it just trickled out to the line. I thought it was going out and then out steps Austin Matthews, just full force, like, 
hey, free puck and slap shot from like the blue yeah. line and actually got it on net. He saw that like at the mid ice line, just skated right in, clapped it. I was really hoping that to go into just oh, whistles right past everyone. And we can clearly see why Vassie's such a, a valuable goaltender. I mean, he's already 11-7-2 to start the season, which is eh, when you're thinking about Vassie, but this guy, not only his huge frame, he's so patient in the net and calm. And I, we were talking earlier. I honestly thought the guy was like 6'6", 240 yeah. or something, but he's only 6'3", 225. So, and then, you know, you see those tweets all over the place, like measure this guy's pads. Like, are these even legal? <laughs> because the guy looks so big, but yeah, he's just awesome. And clearly paving the way for everyone else. And in the talks again for the Vesna, but you know, our boy Jack Campbell, he's in the talks too. We can't forget about him no. because he is absolutely elite, gotta say it. But uh, unfortunately, our boys did not help him too much tonight. I don't know. I can't blame him for any of the goals. Uh, maybe one, but... Yeah, unfortunately, um, as we've been repeating almost every episode, our boys, numbers three and eight, Muzzin and Hall, just... Tough, tough oh. look that first period for them both. Four yeah, giveaways that so... whole period. Of two resulted in goals. Just just bad bad decision making. Yeah, you had Muzzin just mm, giving it away. <sighs> and then Hall is just standing in front of Jack, just like allowing Stamkos to fire one right through. And I mean, on a good day, Jack could have seen that one and gotten it, but he didn't even react till it was already in the back of no, the net. No, he was completely So you know he didn't Hall. see it. Which is something that he learned from playing with Muzzin because that's usually Muzzin in that spot right in front of Jack. So, yeah, I don't know what and we do with these guys. The last one was on I the PP. I split like, them up, but that has to be down the ice. It, no matter, like he's going cross ice with it. Someone hit it with their hand, but still, like that puck has to be down. No mm-hmm. kidding. Like he, you, you can't be flipping it up in the air in your own no. end like that, especially within somebody's reach. Come on. And like when you have time Just to really shoot it. it, shoot it. Yeah, you shouldn't have somebody like what I gave him an A plus four for effort, Kasha, diving to try and poke something out the blue line yeah. because these guys can't get it out. Exactly. Like, it was yeah. it was embarrassing to watch them. Twitter was just roasting Muzzin and Hall. I saw a lot of people with analytics saying like, "Oh, it's not it's not them." I mean, watch. The, this is one of those times where I'll say like, "You got to watch the game." Analytics will show yeah. you like circumstantially what happens when certain players are on the ice. But there's an element of randomness that that doesn't account for. Like good things can happen to shit players while they're on the ice, and they might have had like two or three giveaways the whole period. But the timing of those giveaways were like crucial, exactly. And that's what the analytics don't really show. Yeah, if you really the timing and the positioning of the people that are around when Mm -hmm. they give it up. But sorry, go on, Steph. Oh, I was just going to say, if you really want to look at the analytics, like Jake Muzzin had 25 minutes on the ice tonight and one assist, but. I knew right away when the Leafs were rushing into the offensive zone and you had three or four uh, Tampa Bay Lightning standing on the blue line and then he decided to make that pass into the zone and it, of course, gets intercepted because someone standing right in front, which happened to be Perry, just rushes up the ice, feeds Belmar, obviously a huge goal for them Mm -hmm. on this huge transition. I was just... I just kind of face palmed and I was like, I saw this coming. I just knew right when he made that pass, I'm like, no, Muzzin, what are you doing? This is bad decision making, you know, like 
come on, man. Like, I'm rooting for you. And I know we said previously, like, don't talk crap about our boy who is a Stanley Cup champion. But tonight was, whoo, and Hall just kind of looking like Dipsy Doodle, kind of having that uh, Richie face, like a dopey face there. Like, what am I doing? But Very tough night from Leslie yeah. tonight. And I'm like one of his biggest defenders, and I can't really get behind him tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean – People were saying at the beginning of the year he was playing hurt, but like we're into December now. Like, mm-hmm. if he's hurt, then it's just inconsistent. <laughs> yeah, he's been hurt for a while, or he's just starting to really fall off. So I don't know. While we're on the topic of the first period, can we talk about that last minute power play goal by Matthews? I mean, set up by Matthews. Like he was oh, on yes. the jaw. JT gets kicked out. Nylander was on the left wing. Goes back to the right D. Matthews comes in, pokes it up front. Throws it to Nylander's wing and in. That was such a nice set play. Like, great way yes, to go into kudos. the second intermission, uh, first intermission. Unfortunately, like, it didn't carry over, but like, that's a type, nice type yeah. of play that you like to see. And absolutely big kudos to Nylander for settling that puck down because it was a bouncing puck. Yeah. It was a little mm-hmm. wonky there. And there was 6.4 seconds left in the period. And of course, you start the, or end the period with like 53 seconds left on the power play. We want to capitalize on these chances. And I'm just so glad no one was in front of him and he had the opportunity to settle that puck, whip it right at Vassy and off the shoulder and yeah. in all that was it's just so really nice, nice to see and... them executing like set plays like that especially with such little time in the period yeah and it really boosted the team because we uh, before that goal we came off a stamkos power play goal and of course steven stamkos right i saw the stat he has 170 power play goals the most in tampa bay mm-hmm. history and this is wow. his 13th and yeah 13th on the year and you know of course we had to take that penalty from Wayne Simmons uh, he slashed Hedman there but way to come back especially on the power play against the Tampa Bay Lightning we needed to click on these aspects and like we said earlier while texting you know Tampa's the type of team you can't let anything slide because you're gonna pay and that's what unfortunately happened tonight but the Leafs needed this power play to come through as well like you said, like you can't so, make uh, mistakes against Tampa Bay. Like that's the type of team that will bear you if you make one or two, and that will be the difference of the game. Like my biggest note was this was a very winnable game for the Leafs, but there was three or four oh, mistakes 100%. that cost them the game. And typically, that's, that's how the Leafs are when they play well. If you make a mistake against them, they'll bear you. And the same happened against yeah. Tampa tonight. Yeah, so we go into the second, and that was basically, that sums up the second period, is a bunch of mistakes, put them deeper into a hole with this game. Um, more bad turnovers from the Muzzin Hall combination, and uh, the Leafs were out shooting like crazy. Like, it seemed like this was going to be the period that they came back. 16-9. They were, yeah, they were almost doubling Tampa in shots that period. But uh, anytime you make a mistake, they're going to jump on it, and this is without Kucherov, without Point, and without um, Sorelli. So, you know, this that just shows how dangerous mm-hmm. this Tampa team is. They're ready to win again. They are. Yeah, definitely. And by the time we got to the second period and then the Palat goal went in and then the Radish goal, mm-hmm. I was just thinking to myself, wow, three assists for Muzzin. Wrong team. The Radish one, though, <laughs> like Kerfoot was just coasting, watching him, pretty much just watching him put that puck in. If he had a few more strides, tied him up, even give him a penalty or something on there, he had a chance at stopping that, but it was... No effort on it whatsoever. 
And Kerfoot played a really good game aside from that. I was going to mm-hmm. say, it's unfortunate because Kerfoot did actually play a really good mm-hmm. game. He pickpocketed a lot of Tampa players. He was stealing the puck everywhere. Like, I mean, for a game with so many turnovers from the Leafs side, he was one of the only people creating turnovers. It for was them. just like a theme for the night on the Leafs. So, like, mental lapses yeah. caused, yeah, four goals. Yeah, there was a lot yeah. of miscommunication. It seemed like the puck was getting fed out into, you know, right in front of the net where nobody was or a rebound mm-hmm. would come out to mm-hmm. no one. Or, you know, somebody makes a play and they'd pass it and there's no one there. Somebody makes a pass and it's too hard or the person wasn't expecting it. Like, there was a lot of miscommunication going on. I mean, the power play was good, but it seemed like the actual set lines, and this goes back to the uh, injuries and suspensions that we're dealing with and how it shuffles these lines up. But there was not great communication, especially from, I I hate to say, the the second line with JT. No, 100% agree. Uh, Like. Injuries are no excuse. Every team's dealing with them, but they just seem to be affecting the lines for the Maple Leafs a little bit more um, than most teams who are used to them right now. Nobody really knows their roles. Uh, each line doesn't know their roles. Like It's just not as defined and well executed as it was before. Speaking yeah, of, just... this actually, I have a note. I was going to drop this later for our second half, but since you kind of mentioned it, can you guess how many players are currently on IR right now in the NHL? Granted, some of these are like, you know, write off long term IR people. Um, I'm going to guess around 80. Yeah, I was going to say 100, 105. 162 players Ooh. are injured reserve currently in the NHL. Is that including COVID protocol? Mm. Uh, I think so. Okay. Yeah, because I did see a post today um, just comparing the. The players on injury versus or month to month, week to week, day to day sort of thing, mm-hmm. and of course, day to day was just massive. But um, it's I'm curious to know if that is with the COVID protocol because those stats would be changing like crazy nowadays, right? But um, who would be on COVID protocol right now that I could double check? I think you do get IRL um, for that. Bennington is on okay, protocol. I'll- Affecting my fantasy team. <laughs> okay, let me check Bennington. Yeah, it says IR, so they are counting all of them. Yeah, because St. Louis okay. has like 12 people on IR right now. Okay. Interesting to um, know. 12 but people. Yeah, so that'll, that kind of segues us. Our, um, our second half, we're going to talk about all the insane uh, suspensions and injuries and the player safety mm-hmm. talks that have been going on. So uh, that's yeah. a little tidbit. 162 players are currently injured. But that includes wow. people with COVID and people like, you know, Shea Weber with, uh, you know, there are some rare body falling there. apart injuries. Yeah. You know, you're uh, who's the who's the uh, Nathan Horton <laughs> <laughs> who hasn't played in like eight years. OK, anyway, back to the game. Um, yeah. Third period. Hey, Leafs, uh, Leafs came back. They did. What a pinch by Lily to get it started too. goes down in the corner, chips it over. I can't remember who grabbed the puck. There might have been JT. Passed it down to Muzzin on the point. Point shot. And then, uh, yeah, in the front, nice hands. Barry's in the rebound. Really, really smart play there. Yeah, another one by Kasha. Just, like, finding that loose puck in front of the net. And uh, unlucky one for Vasilevsky there, who I guess he he thought he had it, but it slipped out of his glove. And uh, good eyes on Kasha and a a quick response there to just jump in and bury that one. Strong body up front, too. 
No kidding. It's uh, a lot of JT vibes from him. I'm loving it. Yeah. His net front yes. annoyance is just, mm, it's amazing. A lot of things on this Leaf team that we haven't had in previous years, and it's nice to see. Yeah, definitely. And that must have felt real good for the Buds because uh, back in the second period, Brody had that mishap there where he had the, lost the puck when it, within his skates. And it was a yeah. clean pass around the boards from Mar from Riley. And you thought they were just going to break out. Yeah. But no, Stamkos was right on top of him. And that led to another goal for Tampa. So, you know, they just needed to keep pushing and play super tight because every little mistake of uh, Tampa was all over that. Mm -hmm. So they just needed to clean it right up, get every puck on net, get the rebounds there, people in position That's just in case the rebound exactly goes it. to the left yeah. or right. You know what I mean? But yeah, with um, half of the third left, the shots were 33 to 23 for the Leafs, you know, like they were out shooting Tampa and they were doing everything right on paper, but it was just, like they were half a step behind when it came to playing in their defensive zone and actually protecting the puck. But yeah, yeah like the Tampa had 44 hits tonight. The Leafs had 25. Le the Lightning had 15 blocks. The Leafs had nine. You know, like it's just those defensive elements to the game that makes a huge difference and I know we're without a couple star players and so is Tampa but I honestly thought the Leafs were gonna bounce back you know it was one of those super close games but yeah, yeah those... no sorry finish off there oh I was just gonna say the those tiny mistakes they they paid in the end so and yeah and it says a lot to really... how uh, to how Tampa plays that even with somebody like Vasilevsky behind them and the confidence they could mm -hmm. have that they still out blocked the Leafs like they still play as though you know it's a it's an emergency backup behind them like they, they really yes. throw the body down in front and protect him so that's this a, smart a lot to like uh, the Leafs should be doing the, the that playoff hardened team that they are exactly with uh, some of their big guns out like Sandino Marner out you have to get a bit more tight defensively you have to be a bit more checking and this they're not really doing that they're still trying to outgun other teams and when you make mistakes mm -hmm. against especially against a team like Tampa they're just gonna bury you it's over like yeah, there was one yeah. guy who did start throwing the body around tonight that was nice to see. And that's uh, one of my new favorites that we called up on Tuesday, Christian's Rubens. Yeah, seven Ooh. hits tonight. Like I said, making himself fantasy relevant. 11 hits in his uh, first two games. Guys, uh, I was watching the Bali sports feed, like I said, and they were talking this guy up like, you know, he's he's really annoying. The lightning, he's getting under people's skin. He's he's throwing the body around. He uh, even warranted a questionable hit from uh, who's that Kachuk who left his feet but uh yeah 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 hey if he gotten hurt they would have done something about it but I mean Rubens the guy's 65 he's that. pretty quick so you should play like he's 65 and pretty quick start hitting people in the corners like stop the cycle dead from there and make your breakout pass which is kind of what he did tonight and that's all you can really ask yeah, from a rookie right he had a good yeah. shot too from the point. Yeah. He uh, fired one off. I'm I'm liking this kid. I'm liking what nice I'm simple game. Six five, two hundred and thirty pounds. Mm -hmm. Two shots tonight. Seven hits. He played twelve minutes. 
you know, not too bad for your second game you're in your NHL career at all, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. he can really find a role yeah. on this team if he continues to push, especially with the injuries. This is the perfect opportunity to prove yourself and show that you're meant to be in the big league. So I really liked his yeah, wingspan and- too in the corner. It's like when people are trying to cycle around, mm-hmm. he can keep them out. Like his arms are just so wide and he's so strong that he can actually push them back in the corner. Which is something yes. that like, the Toronto D are really lacking. Yes, I totally agree with that. And you know, the third period that it was kind of back and forth too. Yeah. You can tell both teams were pushing. They were both getting so sloppy, and um, uh, Keith was uh, mixing up the lines. We saw Camp Simmons, Kerfoot, Cache, Richie, JT. I did like to see like, him switching up the lines. I felt like he needed to do something this game. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, the communication was off. The lines weren't working. I'm glad that he's somebody that's not afraid to do that. And he's not like, well, this is the plan that I made at the beginning yeah. of the game. Especially with I'm people sorry, like sorry, you have I'll, to be I'll, adaptable I'll, like that. Uh, this, is, this is the plan we made at the beginning of the game. We're going to stick with this one, boys. <laughs> we didn't start on time. That's Babcock. Oh, Babby. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, always, we an, didn't start on time. But even like when they had Another the empty thing. net, they had a few good chances there too before they eventually got scored on. Yeah. Um, and back to Steph mentioning the thing about Brody losing it in his feet there. It's like we said about Brody. You don't see him or notice him until something happens. Yeah. And this is like the first mm-hmm. time we've mentioned uh, anything about him he's besides that. He's usually so reliable on those plays. And like you said, he's the type of player, you know he's having a good game when you don't hear his name very often, right? And mm-hmm. unfortunately, yes. you heard his name on that one. Yeah. I want to also bring up, uh, did you see when Hedman lost his stick? So we picked up Corey yeah. Perry's <laughs> stick, which is a right-handed stick. Also like it a literally foot looked like a toothpick. Like he just holding this little twig that he looks like he could snap over his knee immediately. So good. <laughs> just so tiny and so funny to watch too, because we know he's a giant. So <laughs> I and, thought uh, that was Joseph, just a funny moment. Uh, Joseph lost his stick earlier too. And Matthew's, um, as soon as he noticed that the guy in front of him didn't have a stick, he's like, oh, I can just play through you. Yeah. So he goes like yeah. right up to him, pulls it back, and then feeds it through his legs. The guys on Bali were laughing. They're like, yeah. I mean, the guy doesn't have a stick. What's he going to well, do? What's he going to do? He, he, can't, he can't pick it up. Like, you could basically do whatever you want. And Matthews realized that immediately. Yeah. Yeah, smart play. I love when they do that. Like the second there, there's no stick in hand, I'm yelling like, come on, this is your <laughs> perfect opportunity. The guy is clearly shorthanded. Like he's obviously not going to dive face for- first towards the puck. Yeah. Like just use your hands, use your wheels and get around him. So that was awesome to see. But uh, I got to say too, tonight I was not impressed with the fourth line. Um, I barely noticed them, uh, not to mention they only played about seven minutes, but Steve's Clifford Ingvall, I noticed a little bit more, but Clifford and Steve's were the ones with the seven minute marks. Uh, Clifford I, I saw had one nice just... hit and that was the only thing I really noticed him all night. Yeah. And yeah. I saw Ingvall was okay in the first or second I noticed him, but then not much after that. So it, it seemed like once scoring was, um, the, you know, first priority, they started benching the fourth line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, Steve's is so like, he's so hyped up and talked Mm -hmm. about. So obviously Mm -hmm. I'm still waiting kind of like in the beginning of the season, we were waiting for bunting to just 
spark up and get going but who knows he could be a gem and just waiting to shine eventually when the time comes but uh to go back to johnny overall sorry go ahead no, no, go ahead. As yeah, I say, go to go ahead. back to Johnny's point, like the fourth line, they're kind of benched. Does that happen if Spess is still in the lineup? Because it gives you no. a different angle of offense on the fourth line, which is rare for most teams. But with the Leafs, mm-hmm. they actually do have that symmetry with Simmons and Spets on there. Yeah, I feel like as opposed to having a shutdown line on the fourth line, I feel like their third is kind of a two-way yeah. shutdown line. Like they can either hold it in the offensive zone for you know 45 seconds or they can... Uh, go back check and so and Cooper knows he can really just out. shut down the first and second line maybe even the third and then the fourth is almost irrelevant exactly so you know to further the point like when you have Spezza in the lineup your fourth line is like an extra offensive line that most teams don't have and don't have a counter to so without having yeah. him that the shuffling of the lines really hurt the fourth especially when you're trying to come back from line. a two goal deficit like that's when you yeah. really need that um, yeah and so it's four three end of the third and the other thing that the the american commentators mentioned was they're like so it's interesting here that keeps pulling the goalie with about a minute and a half left usually we see people doing it with uh three four maybe even five minutes lately i'm like i hate that so much whoa <laughs> i would i know that's the first you, time Kevin. i've not been like having a heart attack when he pulls the goalie like a minute and a half i'm like or a minute 38 or whatever it was i'm like great that's that's when you pull the goalie at a four three game when they're down by like two or three and it's like three minutes left and the goalie's out of the net I'm like what are they doing <laughs> especially know, when your right? defense is playing this badly like you can't pull the goalie with more time than that you know you're gonna give one up shout out to morgan riley for saving one goal right because that almost trickled in and he managed to skate back and save the almost goal but Unfortunately, Palat scores on the empty net, his second of the night. Uh, him, Stammer, having an awesome night. And then Radish, of course, uh, one of the rookie guys, you know, the Leafs who always give them an, a phenomenal uh, debut, yeah. <laughs> not debut, but, you know, playing against their home down. It just always happens that way. So um, it wasn't those stories where the Leafs end up winning like we've talked about in the last couple weeks where you get that nice story and the Leafs win at the same time but yeah it was a tough game and I was hoping for a low scoring game because I mentioned on Twitter my fantasy team has Vassie and Campbell but here we go with eight goals so whoops (laughs) one thing I totally forgot about until you mentioned Riley saving that goal uh, that scramble in front of the net in the first period where like everyone was screaming, like, how did that not go in? Did you guys mm-hmm. notice whose stick came in to stop it from going Bunting in? hit it off his no, stick no. to the crossbar. That's what happened there. Yeah. Well, then it came yeah. down and it was trickling it was going towards in. the line. It was going <sighs> in and then Zach Bogosian's stick comes down oh, and yes. he threw it out. Bogo. Bunting ruined it first. Was, yes, Bogo saved it after Lee. There was yeah. a couple of them. There was a couple was, of, oh my God, how did that not go in uh, moments? It had to and be we just like, Or no one's there. And then the rebound's right there, a wide open net. You're like, ah, but. And yeah. Riley Nash uh, joining the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight. Yeah, I picked him up, uh, <laughs> up off waivers. Not a bad little pickup for them. Yeah. Yeah. Some grit. But, Give you some uh, bottom line minutes. That will um, unfortunately finish off our. Uh, our game recap, the Leafs did not manage to come back, so 5-3 no. 
is the final score. Womp womp. Um, so we've been, uh, we forgot to give something away. So before we go to break here, congratulations at M McPherson 92. Molly Woo-hoo. McPherson, you've won yourself a plush John Tavares. Woo-hoo. Congratulations. Nice prize. So as, as always, uh, I'll send you some stickers by Victoria at Optimus Rhyme 47 from Tulin Designs on Etsy. Check her out. Uh, and if you want to win next episode, we're going to reveal a code after the break. And send that to us on Twitter or Instagram and retweet our contest tweet at the top of our page. And uh, we'll give you a little shout out and send you some some Leafs merch. We got a ton of stuff left to give away. And there's, uh, I think, eight more games to do this. Yeah. Guys, can you believe we're on episode 24 already? Wow. Time flies. Time flies. Yeah. Uh, so before we go to break here, uh, tonight we're going to be featuring a song by our very own Savi. That's uh, his band, Andrew John. So, with no further ado, this is I'll Wait. If you would like your music featured, shoot us a little DM either on Instagram or Twitter or tag us uh, or tag a band that you like to us and see if they respond. Maybe we'll get a little feature from someone. So um, we got some questions from Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, first, we got uh, Mike at MTC underscore 80. This is how the Leafs won't be able to afford to re-sign Kasha this summer. Darren uh, Dreger's column. In all seriousness, that was a frustrating game, but the boys left it all out there. Tampa got more bounces tonight. It happens. Bring on the Hawks on Sunday. Go Leafs. So thanks, Mike, for the question. Um, so Leafs won't be able to re-sign Kosh this summer. We kind of touched on this um, with mm-hmm. our armchair GM uh, segment a couple shows ago. So we worked out a scenario where it is possible to keep Kasha. Um, it would look like a similar contract to what Comf is on. It would have to be somewhere around one and a half in order to make it work. Yeah. Um, another thing that was interesting is people 
I saw somebody on Twitter. I'm not going to be able to find who it was, but uh, saying put Kasha on the power play or on the first power play every night. I don't care if Marner's back or not. <laughs> and somebody <laughs> responded, no, I'm not paying no. market value for him at the end of the year. So specifically saying we got to limit the ice time we give Kasha or else we're actually going to have to fork over a big paycheck and lose him. You can't be playing that type of game, I don't think. If it's working, it's working. You put them out there, you worry about the cost and stuff afterwards, right? Name a game here is to win games. You're right. Uh, But do we think that there's a scenario? I mean, we we worked it out, but do you think realistically that uh, after the performance he's had, I mean, he's already had eight goals after I think his, his record was seven in an entire season before this, so... I think he's proving to be somebody to keep. What do you guys think? I think it all depends on if this guy can stay healthy because the last two seasons, he's only played nine Mm -hmm. games total, only posting one assist, and that was with Boston. So they took the chance on him, right? And then he got injured the first year, the second year, and then it was a long road for the guy. But I think the Leafs are incredibly lucky to have him healthy and actually producing. And to what you just said, Johnny, actually in 2017, 20, or 2018, uh, he played 66 games, posted 20 goals, 18 assists for 38 points. And that was his best season in the NHL. So I don't think it's going to be anywhere near the three to five mark whatsoever i think we keep him for under two mil maybe one and a half like we said before i'm not too sure what that number exactly was but this guy is a beast man i would keep this guy all day long especially if he stays healthy i would yeah we have and we have the angle of having conf with him too because conf is locked down for another year and i think that's a huge angle they're childhood best friends i I don't think it's going to be tough to keep him around i I just think it's going to be Somebody's gone, but we know Mikheyev's probably going to go, and we're going to c- trim some of the uh, the fringe with people like keep maybe Engvall. Like, yeah, like you need a lot of dominoes to fall to keep him. I think, especially if he scores twenty goals this year, like he's not going to be looking for a three to five million type ticket on a bunch of years, but he might be looking for two, two and a half. But mm-hmm. if we can keep him to one year again, like another prove yourself, because like Seth said, he's had some real, real injury issues before this, and this is his first season where he's kind of just getting back into form. Yeah. So maybe like a one more prove yourself type of season with him. Yeah. And I totally forget that this guy is not 35. You know, this guy's only, he just had his uh, 26th birthday yeah. a couple weeks ago. Remember we shut, we had a shout out to him and I would never guess, right. Just because of what we thought of his past history and the amount of injuries this guy's had, but yeah. he's still young. He still has legs. He still wants to play in the NHL. And I, oh, I think yeah. he's in that point where it's that time it's now or never. And which he's is saying now, one of the hard things that maybe it might make it tough to sign because he does have that injury problem. So maybe he will be looking for a bit of term and money on the next contract because you never know when the next injury comes around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so far so good. Mm-hmm. It's I'd love been to a keep nice him. Joy. Yeah. yeah, I would too. Uh, I think like we were saying, it's really nice to have that two-way third line where. Any anywhere that they play, like they're they're a pain in the ass, and it's awesome. We don't have that from the third line uh, very often. No, they match uh, up so, really well against other teams' third lines. Like for the most part, oh, they're yeah. almost always better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so to our next question here from Luke Mann, um, do you think that Marner's two way play is underrated? 
We seem to be more easily opened up without him. Seems to have less control. More statement. Kasha's like Scrappy-Doo, showing my age here. <laughs> um, so I would say, just for the statement at the end, I would say Kasha and Bunting are like our Scrappy-Doos. They are yes. so fun to watch on the ice. Yes. Tucker and Domi, Definitely. baby. Let's go. Um, Love Scrappy-Doo. Not showing your age, man. Like, no, this, not at all. This is prime. Love it. But anytime Martin is out, like his two-way play is going to be missed because he's excellent on both offense and defense. So, like, that's really, really hard to replace. It's not like he's kind of 70% here, 70% there. He's a fantastic penalty killer. He's great on defense, and his offense is almost unparalleled. Like, his vision is crazy. So when he's not in lineup, yeah, that's hugely missed. Yeah, and I think as much as we kind of criticize that he takes too long to make decisions sometimes, his ability to just take the puck and control it and slow everyone down and let everybody reset is something that we take for granted, I think, when it's not there. Yeah, and I think what what the problem was too was that with the huge contract, people want more out of his play, like his shot, for example. But Marner's the type of guy who he's not known for the shot. He's known for the playmaking. He's known yeah. for being excellent positioning and uh, excellent on the PK, right? He has, he's not a huge guy, but this guy's reach. I mean, this guy's almost belly flopping all over the place, just trying to get the puck um, off the opponent's uh, power play. And I know I said earlier in this episode that I didn't notice him much off that power play, but I did notice him missing off the penalty kill. I know Nylander has been filling the role, but at the same time, I love Marner on that penalty kill role. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's noticed and it's definitely underrated. And he's he's a gem. And I hope one day he can learn how to, you know, get that quick shot off his stick, like how Matthews does it with the. It's not even a heavy shot; it's just like a laser beam, you know. Just but, like a quick pinpoint accuracy type shot, right? Yeah, yeah, and that would be excellent for Marner. But at the same time, he uses his strengths in other ways. He uses his. Yeah edges like um, just amazingly through the roof yeah so yeah we miss him i miss him maybe not off the power play right now because i love kasha (laughs) to answer his question yeah it's completely (laughs) underrated yeah exactly oh you know what um i just got a really good idea for a code word okay free spezza free spezza (laughs) It's free Spezza, as has been plastered all over Leafs Twitter. Uh, So send us free Spezza, and you will be entered for a draw for next episode. Thanks so much for playing along the last few episodes. It's been fun interacting with everybody and giving stuff away, and we want to keep doing it. So uh, send us free Spezza. So are we saying free free Spezza as in, like, Spezza did not deserve a suspension there? Um, No, I think just um, shorten it. Because I agree yeah. he should be suspended. I just don't think six First-time games... offender, I think he definitely deserves a sussy, but like six games, quite a bit. Yeah. Just open I mean, the there's... gate a little earlier. It's also... the. It's hard because it wouldn't have happened had... Okay, this is a Let... good way to segue into our conversation. Here we go. So we saw Ian Cole like two days later with a knee-on-knee on Mark Shifley that was basically identical if not maybe a little more aggressive than Pionk's on Sandine and Ian Cole was ejected immediately from the game 
why was Neil Pionk not ejected from the game when he needs Sandine? Because if that had happened, Spezza wouldn't have jumped off the bench with blood in his eyes ready to take somebody out. Because uh, Brad Meir was officiating. <laughs> yeah, but one of the refs from that game was the same ref that threw Ian Cole out. So that one of the refs was there the same night. So I, like, I don't understand how inconsistent this has been. Because we're the Leafs. Well, this is kind of what I wanted to talk about tonight. It's not just the Leafs. There's been a lot of... And this has gotten all the way up to the owners. There was a meeting today, but there's been a lot of dirty play this year and a lot of things that have been missed and a lot of inconsistent suspensions. Um, yeah. I mean, for how early in the season we are, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine nine or 10 suspensions in the regular season already in hmm. 20 some odd games. That's a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of and slew especially foots. Yeah, a lot of slew foots and a lot of hits to the head and a lot of like just dangerous things that if we're trying to cut down on, on these kinds of hits and in fighting and stuff in the league, like this can't be happening at this stage of that yeah. process. Like we should be, much further along than, you know, these guys that have been playing their whole careers going for hits like this. So why is it like the only thing I can chalk it up to is the refs letting things just get so out of hand that the players are trying to take it upon themselves to enact revenge. To the it point, is hard. To the like, point when, they, go ahead, Seth. I was just going to say to the point that they start biting each other. Oh my God. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the inconsistency game to game is pretty tough. Like, like you said, he got ejected the one game and the game before he did not, which well, you can say led to the Spezza thing. I'm not going to defend Spezza. That was a dirty play. There's no room for that in the game whatsoever, whether he shouldn't be kicked out or not. It's kind of irrelevant to what Spezza, uh, Spezza did. But there needs to be accountability for the refing and how they ref on this. Like in the NBA, yeah. they have reviews of the refs and their calls in the post game, right? I feel like the NHL yeah. has to start adapting something like that, where they explain why they did this, why they didn't do that, how they can improve on it the next time. So you do have a base of what's what, and like, like I said, accountability is the most important thing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just to set precedent for like how many games something is like, I'm looking at how many games people have gotten for, for different things. And it seems like two games is just the like, yeah, whatever, two games suspension. Yeah, whatever, two games suspension. Oh, was it bad? Maybe five or six. Oh, it's Marshawn <laughs> three. Like, that's pretty much the only way I can explain this. Like, a hit to the head from Sergachev on Marner earlier this year that put him in concussion yeah. protocol. Two games. Uh, Ovi on Murphy. Clean. Put him in concussion protocol still. Yeah, even no though McDavid suspension. won the other day. McDavid with a, a kind of awkward little boarding call there. He got tossed yeah. from the game. No suspension. But then somebody, who was it? Um, I have another one here. Burr, 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 burr. Um, there was a, oh, the pocket on Zegras, the one that we talked about earlier, uh, last episode, that was a two game suspension. Mm. So there's no consistency between somebody getting tossed, somebody not even getting called for a penalty. Like, uh, for example, Mr. Sid, the kid choke slamming somebody, but there was no (laughs) penalty. Like you can't have something not called, something called someone tossed and a suspension and no suspension all for the exact same things. Across there the doesn't board. seem yeah. to be like any rhyme or reason or any uniform way of calling this, especially if you look into like the history of the player. Like Spezza has no prior history of this whatsoever. So no. to throw six games at him, like the biggest sussy of the year, that's why. 
Well, if not counting a Vander Kane. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. no one counts a Vander Kane. Nobody. Yeah. Um, we had uh, Tro uh, Trochet was uh, ejected for boarding Tage Thompson uh, earlier this season. We had Foligno then hopping the bench to jump into a fight. No suspension. So, like, this is what I mean. It's like there's so many dirty, dangerous things going on right now in response to or not of just the lack of officiating and like some somebody needs to get this under control Mm -hmm. and i'm hoping this meeting today does something because like we can't i can't be reading here leblanc slew foots bozak one game suspension uh suban slew foots ellers um marchand slew foots oel like those were all within like two weeks of each other and that's tough on the yeah. players because, like, they don't know game to game what is being called, like, where the line is. So it's really, really tough to gauge how to play against another team depending on who's refing, right? Exactly. Like, if you watch the game tape from the Leafs against Minnesota or Winnipeg, you're going to say, all right, let's beat the shit out of them because that yeah. worked. But, but anytime, like, the ref, a game... I noticed, to his credit, sorry, Johnny, he was, like, no, saying, yeah. watch your arm, watch your arm, watch your leg, watch your stick. He was kind of letting them know as the play was going on what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And that helps that could, so much for the game. And that could be in response to the meeting that happened today. Because like I Hopefully. noticed that that hooking call on Kasha tonight was a little ridiculous in my opinion, but it just shows how more vigilant they're going to be. And it just gives you a baseline for, okay, if I get my stick around someone like that, I'm going to get called for it. Fine. If that's a penalty, then let it be a penalty, but call it the exactly. same. And I'm tired it's of hearing... Too. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Steph. Sorry, sorry, Johnny. I just want to say this real quick. It's funny too... In the beginning of the season, do you guys notice how how easily the refs called literally anything? Like you just look at someone and the arm was being held up. It was like you you touch the guy on his back, not even with two hands on the stick, and then there's a call or the hook on the hands. I know they've been trying to enforce that a lot more, but it was it seemed like anything and i remember our first couple episodes we were talking about how okay yeah they're gonna start calling this and being so aggressive on these penalties but then everything just went downhill since then so happens fast. every single year though because like the rest will have a summit before the year they'll go through what's what and like we're talking about right now what they should be doing maybe more times like once a year and they call it like crazy at the beginning of the year and then two weeks three weeks one month afterwards it just dissipates and you have no idea what's going on anymore yeah, it's crazy. And Subban, he slew foot three times this year. Three times. And wow. then you get one time in three games on Marshan. Well, I know he's a repeat offender, but then there's so many other examples. It just doesn't make sense. And So why are the players doing pissed. like a performance review at the end of every game? Like them or ahead of referee? Like something like, I don't know, document all these games. Why is this happening? Why did you miss this call? Why did you call that? And if you can grab that data, then it's going to help a lot going forward. Yeah, if there's yeah. like a fifth one that's just watching the game literally and has to ask all these questions to so the, the other refs, if it's just yeah. internally between them so that they have a discussion about it, and then they have to, after that, a report goes out. You're like, it's not that mm-hmm. hard. People get paid yeah, a lot I of did. money to do this job, and they should be doing it a lot better than they have been. And I, like, I get that it's hard, and this game is getting faster. Very hard. But there's... Two, four, six, eight eyes that can be watching this, and they still manage to miss so much. And stop pucks and stop people and like, like the spatial awareness of these guys is getting a little 
week. I don't know. Like, if you're asking the players to be so accountable for their actions, you also have to ask the referees to also be accountable. It has to go both ways. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Because it changes people's whole lives, whole playoff yeah. series, games in general. I mean, the score could go one way or another, but then you have a team like the Leafs who refs just love to slap on penalties like crazy, and you never know what could For happen sure. after. Like, even um, I know we had another Twitter question tonight from Lou Dioncini. I pr- apologize if I'm mispronouncing your name um, saying we would be unbeatable if we didn't gift wrap the other team two goals every night thanks to Hall and Muzzin but to your point there we would be unbeatable if the refs didn't call shitty penalties against us all the time too and calling these like I know sometimes they the the players deserve it or it just gets Mm -hmm. to that point but it doesn't need to Go like the the Jets game, for example, where shit just hit the fan and you're just like, oh, my God, everyone's just sticking up for themselves. And yeah, it's that's when the game gets lost to them and that's when it gets dangerous and that's when suspensions start happening. Yeah, like you see, Buchnevich headbutted Kraus earlier this year and got two games. And then infamously, we had Lemieux biting Brady Kachuk. So like when those kinds of things happen, that means it's getting to a point where the game is literally out of hand and we can't be talking about that many games getting out of hand this early before the halfway point in the season. Like that Winnipeg Jets Leafs game was out of hand. There were so many people that got hurt Mm -hmm. that didn't need to get hurt. That's like specifically a game that needs type of reviews at the end. Like what, what the hell happened here? Right. Because in most games, refing is incredibly hard. There's a human element to it. Mistakes are going to be made. So at the end of the game, you say, I just missed that one. That's going to happen. That's fine. But Mm -hmm. like against Winnipeg, that's not fine because there was way too much happening there. Yeah. And I mean, the Dubois on Matthews thing was just unacceptable that like nobody stopped that and the the offsetting penalties, like that there was no review on that. Yeah. Like the thing is, they they have the option to review for penalties, but they don't exercise this option ever. Like the refs can do this. They can stop everything and go back to the review and call up Toronto and say, hey, we want to review that. But they don't mm-hmm. ever. So they can do that on any call? Um, let, you guys talk about something and I'll look up whether they can do it all the time. I'm just surprised with that Dubois uh, play that the ref was literally two feet from the guys watching and it took someone else from the opposite end of the ice to come down and break them apart. It's kind of like they were paid off or something. You yeah. know what I mean? Cause they hey, were just, bud, what are you doing take, here? Like watching the show, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> did row. you see this? Like Matthews is just getting smashed into the ice. Like, did you buy a ticket to the show? And like, like, to Matthew's credit, everyone's like talking about him on Twitter. Like he's a, uh, a wimp or something like that. Like he was being smart. He was trying not to retaliate. He was trying to draw a penalty on that play, I think, which is pretty obvious. And it totally blew up in his face. Yeah. Like the Twitter people saw half of them said, Oh, he should have fought back. And then the other half went the opposite way, you know, good on Matthews for not fighting back. Like I know the guy should like, maybe, I don't know if he were to challenge Dubois on that play, what would have happened next? Would Matthews get suspended for something stupid? Exactly, or, right? Or go to the box for something that he didn't even do? Like, this guy's face is getting smashed into the ice. Like, he's just taking it. And he's just trying to hold his own and get up. And, yeah, like, like I don't know what else you had to do to get the ref's attention at I'm that in point, the camp but... that Matthews plays a little light for his size and his weight. But in that instance, I feel he was doing the right thing. Like, he was clearly drawing a penalty. And it... Mm-hmm. What do you do next time? Do you defend yourself? Because it didn't happen. Like, 
Well, exactly. Yeah. Like he's still got a penalty. So what? What's he gonna do? Yeah. Um, what happens so next time? Does he throw a cross check? Does he throw a punch? Like, I don't know. Uh, to follow up, first point: there is an off ice official. I did not know this. There is somebody watching the game that is with the referees. Second of all, um, they can review major penalties, non-fighting majors, match penalties, and double minors for high sticking. So what oh, they okay. would have the option of doing is, like in a situation where they threw uh, McDavid out, they would be able to make that call, but then immediately review it to make sure that they made the right call. But they don't do that. Gotcha. Or they could, if something looked bad, like a knee on knee like that, they could immediately call it a five-minute major review it and then if it's not a five minute major they can reduce it to a two or just not do it so they have there's a system that they could use to call basically every brutal thing that happens call it a five minute major review it oh this was totally an accident like Mm -hmm. perry didn't mean to knee to bearers in the head great so that's not a match penalty like you know there's like things like that like they could so easily fix this it makes sense that they don't do it for every two-minute minor, but the majors and four minutes, for sure, that makes sense. Yeah. Or the plays that didn't even get called on the ice and then end up getting a huge ass suspension at the end of the day. Well, that's like... why you need your post-game ref review. Like, that has to be part of it as well. <laughs> Man, how do you miss that? Like, <laughs> Well, it's like my point earlier. There's 162 players on injured reserve right now. Like I said, COVID and everything has worked into that, but... That's not a good number of play- that's not good for the league. Like there's so Just many big over names five that are per out. Team. Yeah. Ooh. And it averages up that's, to That's big names out on a lot of teams too. Like it's not minor league guys, it's not fringe players. It's like there's no. big names that are missing from a lot of teams right now and have been for a lot of the season. And honestly, I don't know who that's good for. So the refs need to start doing their job or the NHL literally starts losing money. Like I was telling Steph while you were gone on break there, Andrew, but uh do you know who's on injured reserve right now for, or at least day to day for the Canadians? Um, Weber, Take Price, Christian Dvorak, what? Tyler Toffoli, Joel Armia, Jeff Petrie, uh, Niku, Gallagher, Anderson, Teasdale, Brooke, Edmondson, Byron, Price, Weber. <laughs> the yeah, whole so thing. They're up like 10% of the fucking. Like, are you joking? Stat here. <laughs> like, Gensel's out, Farabee's out, Malkin's out, Reimer's out. Like so many, Giordano's out, Bozak's out, Chernak's out, Kucherov and Pointer out. Like, and to be fair, like is... hockey is a rough sport, so you're gonna have players out on natural injuries all the time. But we still want to limit them as much as possible. Yeah, and some yes. of these that I listed off are specific to these suspensions exactly. that we're talking about. Yeah. So, like a lot of these guys don't need to be on that. These teams could be fighting for the playoff spots that they're supposed to be instead of calling up two guys from the Marlies and calling in emergency backups from like universities and things that a lot of teams have had to do. Like think I the think the team who was in the playoff hunt at the end of the season and they're down one or two games, like these lost man right. games can make a huge difference. It's like the, I said it with the Jays, you know, they missed the off season this uh, past year by one win in a season that's twice as long as the NHL season is. So every yeah. game matters mm-hmm. when it comes down to 100%. it, especially if you're, you're in that wild card spot so I'm, I haven't had a chance uh, to listen to the whole um, or any of the meeting that happened today. Did you guys catch any of it? I haven't caught too much. I know the main thing on the agenda today was the Olympic participation though. Yeah. And I did not see that um, on either way. Uh, actually, I guess 
to close off this and to segue into the Olympics, um, what do we think about the rumor that Marner and uh, who was the other one? Um, Islander. Uh, Barkov. Barzell. Barzal. Barzal and Marner both getting cut potentially from the Olympic team to make room for Hyman and Tom Wilson. Where did you see now, that? Every like projected roster I had had Marner on it. Maybe not Barzal, but... This was kind of just circling around Twitter today. A lot of people were talking about it. Um, I don't remember who initially reported it, but hmm. we'll see if there's anything that comes of this. But I get bringing Tom Wilson to the Olympics because I don't think any country is going to bring an answer to that. I would have maybe kept it <laughs> secret and just brought I, him as a, like a back pocket weapon. But I it's tough to disagree. knock anyone off this. It's tough. Like, well, this is my point is it's tough to look at that Team Canada roster and knock anyone off to warrant bringing Tom Wilson. Yeah. Especially in an international tournament where they call penalties a lot more. And, like, why mm-hmm. are you going to take Marner off the ice? This, you're playing on Olympic size ice here. This is what this guy does. He controls the pace of the game, he controls your passing, he's your quarterback on offense, and you're going to kick him off for who? Yeah. I don't get switching him out for Wilson because, especially yeah. with the bigger ice, like, it's not Wilson's territory. Um, the only thing, like I said, I see him being useful for is that most people aren't going to bring somebody like that to the Olympics. So it's kind of a, yeah. a wild card, but I don't agree with taking Marner off for him. And I don't no. agree with taking Barkov out for, um, or I'm not, it's not, am I missing these names up? Fucking Barzal. Barzal. Barkov is Russian. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, as I, I say him. it, I'm like, he's not Canadian. So Barzal. <laughs> Um, yeah. For Hyman, I don't know. If you want to talk about it, like Leafs, maybe then you're talking Tavares for Stammer. That's a close call, I think. But Marner, that guy's a lock. He has to be a lock. Yeah, and like Tavares and Stammer, I make it makes sense because they have similar styles of play. Stamkos just yeah. has a better point shot, I think. Even though he's kind of declined over the years, he's still having a really good season. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think I heard tonight he had. This is his ninth multi-point game this season, so he's doing. He's like well. top five in scoring this year too. Oh boy! Tavares versus Bergeron. Ooh, Ooh. but Bergeron yeah. plays so well with Crosby. I think he's he's probably a lock too, and his like his defensive play is just next world. See, I look yeah. at it less of individual players and more as like building ideal lines because I think. Tavares would be good in some situations where Bergeron would be good in others. But I think generally for the people that are going to be on the team around him, Bergeron. Yeah, I, I think Bergeron's a lock. But whether Tavares gets there or not, he will be competing with other people. But I don't think he's going to be competing with Bergeron for it. That's just my opinion, though. Um, to follow up to uh, TSN Ottawa's uh, conversation that Andrew and I listened to on our way back from Toronto, uh, Morgan Riley or Thomas Shabbat? Hmm. Or uh, Thomas Shabbat or Makar. Riley and Makar. All day. Yeah, all day. Yeah. yeah. Riley and Makar all day. I know Shabbat was elite way back when he probably still would be on a better team but because he plays heavy minutes he's all over like he controls the play too but he's just been i don't know like what's happening the last couple years with him i know it's a bad team but full disclosure these guys were talking about shabbat like he was the best defenseman in the league yeah 
I, be- I believe it. A lot of people love Shabbat, you know? Okay. Especially coming really? from a Sens fan base. Well, we were listening to this, and they're talking like, if Shabbat goes to the Olympics, people are going to be talking about him as the best defenseman in the league. Like, hmm. in the world. Okay. I, I, I don't... I don't know, man. It's I, I get These it. These guys have four hours to fill well. in the morning, and God bless them. They do a great job, but yeah, I could not be believe what they were saying there. That was a little much. They're, I mean, they're homers. They're they're Ottawa homers, but. Well, Shabbat was uh, one of the top three fantasy picks. If you go back, uh, maybe three or four years ago. Yeah. I was comparing his numbers to Riley earlier, though, and like, I mean, I get it. Ottawa and Toronto are in very different positions, and that affects your stats. But he did have one season where he put up quite a few, right? Yeah, I think so. But um, last season, yeah, he was six goals, twenty-five assists, minus fifteen on the season, hmm. um, with one hundred and one hundred and twenty shots on goal for six goals and twenty-five assists. That's not a great shooting percentage. Well, he's gonna um, be. Definitely minus for being on the ice like half of the game every yeah. single game. Well, like that's what we're giving him this year. Is he's, he's even this. Uh, it's this just year, incredible if that's the case. Like that's a great stat. He was ranked twenty fifth uh, in fantasy last week. Nice. And he had four assists, uh, power play point, fifteen shots on goal, some hits and blocks. I mean, so maybe there twenty eight hits on the legitimate st- debate between Riley and him. Like he's underrated. Squad. I don't know. Maybe I just write off a lot of the Ottawa players, but it's it, like it's one of those things where when you see a bad team, it's hard to like pick out the pieces that are good that will be good when the team gets better, yeah. and which pieces are the things that are making them bad. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's hard like, to Shabbat's differentiate a good those. Reference for that, like, is if he's playing with elite players, maybe his game does go up a lot. He just doesn't have the yeah. chance to do that in Ottawa. Speaking of an elite defenseman who uh, is apparently on the move, uh, the Oilers are looking to shed some salary cap space, and rumor is it's Tyson Berry. I saw that. And Did you call Tyson him Berry? elite? <laughs> is that what um, you said? <laughs> I mean, he was at one point. He's paid like it. He got a big discount, or not discount, or salary cut in the last couple years. But, oh, yeah. Uh, he actually uh, assisted on the power play tonight for the first time in a long time because I have him on one of my teams, and it's been it's been rough. I feel yeah. if you play with someone who can insulate him like a really really good stay at home, smart, responsible defender, then yeah, he's he can be very dangerous on the team, especially like a cup contending team. I wonder what it would be like if we put him on a line with like Morgan Riley. Try that, didn't we? <laughs> Yes. Riley's yes, too offensive exactly. too. Like you need someone like Yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even think of who right now. Just someone who's a great stay at home defenseman, doesn't make mistakes, lets the other defenseman be offensive. This guy has had his chance with the Avs. He's had the Leafs. Now he's with the Oilers, the best players in the entire world. Like, what other crutch does this guy need? He simply needs to improve his defensive play. And join the rush more and actually get up mm-hmm. in there because half the time he's a ghost on the ice. Um, since Calgary is infamous for stealing things from other Western Canadian teams, um, as they've done lately, what would you think of uh, a Chris Tanev and Tyson Berry defense for uh, for Calgary? 
I like it. He's Tanner's the type of guy like we can insulate him. Like I was saying, you live it gives right? uh, Barry room to do what he wants to do, some freedom. Um, he knows he's got someone back there who's got his back, and that's exactly the type of setup that he needs. Yeah, like who's Calgary's um, power play quarterback right now? Fair it question. is um, Anderson, Rasmus Anderson. Gotcha. Yes, Rasmus Anderson, right. Well, um, that seems like they could uh, use an upgrade in a Tyson Berry there. That'd be an interesting Who do you have thing. going back? I mean, they're trying to shed space, so it might be picks. They're taking a small salary? Yeah. Hmm. You have guys yeah. like Noah Haffinen. You have... I don't know. What cap space? To, yeah, they've got no cap space. So Calgary would have to shed enough to be able to take him. They have... Um, what's interesting is they have two second-round picks this year one th- from uh, the Florida Panthers, That's but they don't true. have a third... F- fourth or sixth so they might be hesitant to to lose that second second rounder calgary so, feels like they're kind of priming up for like a, a pretty deep run in the cup like they've got a great sutter led team they're defensive they still put up goals are hard to play against so this might be a year that they actually throw in what's yeah i i now that i'm looking through the roster i don't see any way that they could make uh Tyson Berry's contract fit because like there's nothing they can send the other way. Hmm. Unfortunately, like what is what's he making? Um, four and a half. Six? Four, oh, four and a half. Four and yeah, half. he's down to four and a half now. Because I was going to say if they if they sent Monahan the other way because I know they've been looking to move him. Yeah, but Monahan's at like six point six something. So yeah, it doesn't work. No, unfortunately. Um, so real quick before we sign off here, uh, I just want to talk about something random and funny that I stumbled upon. You guys remember Wii Sports, right? Yeah. Oh, yes. Of course. So Wii Sports uh, is actually the number one selling game ever, which I think comes with the caveat that it came with the Wii. So yeah. <laughs> the Wii being the best, best-selling console, it was the best-selling game. Um, and... Are you guys familiar with speed running? No. Was that so on speed there? running? Speed running is where you try to play a game as fast as possible, normally by oh, okay. breaking yes, rules. Yes. Or oh, yeah, um, yeah. yes, by doing by usually whatever means necessary. Yeah. So Sonicking. As old as Wii Sports is, only recently in the last year have people figured out a way to turn it into a speed run, which is playing every game in Wii Sports, you have to win them in order. So it's, I think you have to win a game of tennis, a game of baseball, then bowling, then golf, then boxing. So it's how fast you can win each one in a row and like, you know, quit and rejoin the next one. So people uh, have been going back and forth, specifically two guys, uh, two people. I don't know if they're, sorry, two people. Uh, One of them is actually from Canada, Emod Nomad. The other one from the UK, Shockwave TLS. They have been back and forth for the last year. As soon as one sets the record, the other one breaks it. The next one sets it, the next one breaks it. Two of them have been back and forth. It's hilarious. I watched an hour-long documentary that was for some reason recommended to me on YouTube about this that had millions of plays in like a week. So this was apparently a huge thing in their community. Link me. I will. Uh, Can you guys guess what their records approximately are 
for finishing so all for of, all five games, all five games in Wii Sports. So you have to win. This is on easy. So you have to win a game of tennis, uh, play um, three holes of golf. You have to win the. Um, I think second is actually baseball, which is a, a three inning game. Yeah, and then um, bowling and boxing. It's a full ten round uh, bowling. Fifteen minutes. What about you, Steph? No idea. Steph's like, fuck, I don't know. Just take take a stab at it. Eight minutes. So Steph was actually closest. Uh, They were fighting at at around eight or nine minutes back and forth for a long time. And then they figured something out that was able to shave some time off. So Shockwave TLS is leading with seven minutes and uh, just under four seconds. And then Imad Nomad from Canada is at seven minutes and eight seconds. I love these like niche type of competitions, like the world championship of rock, paper, scissors, all that stuff. Love. There are, there's 168 people on this leaderboard. Like there's a lot of people trying to do this. So um, we, just before we sign off, I want to talk about how they, um, they've what the the little shave they figured out. Cause it's kind of funny. Um, so the first thing is with baseball, if you're winning by 10, no five runs, I think, it automatically, um, the other team forfeits. If you get, like, if you're at the top of the inning, you score five runs, and then you get all of them out in the bottom of the inning, like then the mercy they rule? forfeit. Yeah, mercy rule. That, thank you. Um, and they also figured out that if you try to strike everybody out, it's longer than if you throw one pitch that sucks. So there's all these little things. But the best one, my, my favorite, is in golf, you can swing, pull the batteries out of the Wiimote, put them back in, swing again while the ball's in the air and hit it for a second time. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I know this is a crazy tangent to go off on, but if any of you remember Wii Sports, I recommend just skimming through this documentary. It's on YouTube. I'll uh, I'll link it on our Twitter. It's pretty funny. So if we lined you up for the gauntlet of all five, how long is it taking you? Oh my God. Um, Probably like 20 minutes on a first try like speed, man don't underestimate speed running this is these guys are practicing this like day in and day out to, to no get down i, I like watching it sometimes but mm. the battery trick with golf like imagine how they figured that shit out right like, oh it just went flying like, into the battery <laughs> just came out and then the old pot the big eureka moment and like, can you imagine yeah. being on a run that's potentially going to break your record and you go, you know what, I'm just going to try something and you just take the batteries out? Like, uh, I couldn't handle doing that. Like if I came so close and kept losing, it would throw my remotes. Even when I play NHL right now, it's brutal. Like, yeah, not good. It's it, Yeah, that, it's, it's, a, it's an anger outlet for sure. That's something I miss. I haven't my been girlfriend's always like, you need to calm down. It's just a game. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, so thanks for letting me go off on that and it was random but uh, tune in on Saturday when we'll be back again with a new episode and we'll have a new special guest that's not Darty Burger I promise follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night your night of post game podcast available after every game on YouTube Spotify Apple Podcasts Audible and more but still follow at Darty Broder. <laughs> Seven more days of holiday giveaways. <laughs>